check. Oh, good. <laughs> good morning, everyone. Hello. It's so good to see. Oh, my gosh. I like almost ran to you as soon as I saw you, Dave. I was like, ah! <laughs> so good to see you, David. Oh, you guys, we're so excited about our time this morning. We have a really special morning. Um, and I'm, my heart is just like dancing with anticipation of all that Jesus has in store today. I wanted to welcome any visitors and, um, oh my gosh, <laughs> hello, <laughs> I'm just seeing all these beautiful faces and um, we have special guests this morning. I want to introduce you guys to Kyle and Lisa Cooper. Can you welcome them and say good morning? Um, they are very dear, dear, precious friends of ours from, they live in the Carolinas and they're visiting Utah right now. They're going to a business conference and it all just aligned perfectly for them to come and lead us in worship. They are beautiful, hearts on fire for Jesus, um, worship leaders. Um, and we just want to give them a big warm welcome and enter in with the Lord with them. And so I'm just going to open us in prayer and then let you guys let it rip. So, <laughs> yeah. And if you want to stand up, feel free to stand up, stretch out, get yourselves awake. If you want to stand up this morning, Lord Jesus, we love you. Lord, we thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you for your love in this place. Lord, we thank you for all that's in your heart, all that you have in store. And we just take a moment right now to lay down every distraction, every thought, every burden, and we lift our focus to you. And we just say, Lord, take the floor. You're the host. Have your way. We love you. We love you. We love you so much. In your precious name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen, amen. It's so good to be here with you guys this morning. We are so honored. We're so honored, so blessed to, uh, to get to come in and just kind of partner with what God was already doing before we got here. We don't have an agenda of our own other than just to kind of get into the flow. And they gave us a microphone, so that's really cool, you know. We're going to try to use it to the best of our ability. As Lauren was praying, I just, I wanted to just sing this. I think you guys know it. Let's just sing this together because this is the whole purpose of why we come together. Oh, come let us adore. Oh, come let us adore Him. Oh, come let us adore Him. Sing that again, come on. Oh, come let us adore him. Yes. Oh, come let us adore him. Oh, come let us adore him. Christ the Lord. For you alone are worthy. For you alone are, make it vertical, come on. For you alone. 
just give you all we'll give you all the glory yeah we'll give you all the glory we'll give you all the glory Christ the Lord oh come let us come on
this morning singing that song worthy is the lamb who was slain oh worthy is king who conquered the grave worthy is the lamb who was slain worthy 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 joyful place to come to, then I don't know why we're here. I might as well be home in my pajamas. I don't know about you, but I, I'm okay to get a little happy in the house of the Lord when I'm with my friends. Come on, can we do that one more time? Let's just go ahead and thank the Lord. Yeah. So that the King of my be the mountain where I run, the fountain I dream from. Let the King of love be the shadow where I hide, the ransom for my life, oh, is my soul, cause you are.
when I don't yet see the goodness, even when I'm still in the journey, even when there's pain, even when there's trouble, you are good, you're good, God. I declare that you're
Because let me tell you, when we arrive in his full-on presence in heaven, there's not going to be any more tears of pain. There will only be the culmination of the greatest joy we've ever known. Where sickness is gone and frailty has been overwhelmed by the glory of the one who gave his life to give us the free gift of his grace. The full freedom of his presence. And in that place of glory, all the things that once were such a burden on our heart will be replaced by the bright, shining light of the Son of God and the glory of Him who was and is and is to come on the throne. But here in this space, here in this space where it hurts, there's a certain type of worship we can offer Him. It's a praise that's before the fact. 
It's a praise that's prophetic in its very nature because it says, great are you, Lord. While I'm still walking this through, great, who are you, Lord? You are mine and I am yours and this may hurt, but great are you, Lord. Great are you, Lord. I just sense in this place this morning that as we offer him this oil that we can only offer here I sense the Lord wanting to pour out healing wanting to pour out over hurting hearts wanting to speak and breathe his comfort over every place where you need to hear it this morning I'm going to tell you right now God does not get tired of you and he does not get tired of me I don't have to show up like I'm not needy. It's okay. It's the best place to show up needy. Is right at the feet of, of a God who's unlimited in resource, awesome in power, kindness and love, personable, who knew me and wrote my story before the world began. So we come before you, our good Father, and we offer you worship. We offer you thank, thanksgiving before the fact. We feast at the table of the Lord in the presence of our enemies. For right here is where you are. And we cast every burden at your feet. We just put it right there at your feet. Every heavy thing before our good God present present God right here we come before you we worship come on across this room and we receive that beautiful exchange that for our heart laid out before you you give us things we didn't even know to ask for thank you for your healing thank you for your encouragement Thank you for your peace. Hey, across the room, whatever you have need of, can you thank him for that? Thank you for answers to questions, God. Thank you for loved ones who don't yet know you. They're going to meet you. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Thank you for financial provision. Thank you for every bill paid. Thank you for sickness healed. Thank you, Jesus, for pain gone in the name of Jesus. Thank you for depression swallowed up in victory and hope. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, somebody. Thank you for anxiety coming out of bodies like a fountain was turned on and the anxiety flows out. It's gone in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for the river of joy that's coming in to replace heaviness right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you so much. It's what you do. It's what you do, God. It's what you died for. And Lord, at Crossroads Church, may it be so that we settle for nothing less than what you fully bought at the cross. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And then just together, we're going to end right here. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out praise. We pour out praise. It's your Your breath is your breath in our 
ask you to stay where you are. And um, so, of course, the Holy Spirit knows what he's doing. Shocker. So I was very much feeling that the Lord wants us to go to the next step. And if you physically are sick, so physical sickness, like I want to be real clear. The Holy Spirit said, be real clear. If you are physically ill in any way and you need healing, I want you to raise your hand. And just so you know, if you didn't know you came to church today, it's all hands on deck. So everyone in the room is going to lay hands on someone. I'm asking you to do that by faith. So raise your hand if you need physical healing in your body in any way. Real clear, hands high in the air. Okay? So I'm asking everyone else to look around and find someone. The Holy Spirit empowers us to lay hands on each other. And we're going to believe for the healing flow of the Holy Spirit through you praying through you so the person that um, needs prayer it's helpful for you to tell the people praying what you need prayer for so I want you to take a second those who are praying with you I want you to tell them what it is you need prayer for so go ahead and do that Okay, and now that you know church, I want to hear a sound of prayer. This is not soft, fluffy prayer. This is battle prayer. So I want to hear you go to battle for the sick people in the room because Jesus died to purchase healing. So pray the healing power. Thank you, Jesus, that you are a healer. You did not die on the cross to leave us sick. You were resurrected in life and power and authority, and you purchased healing for us and so we stand in faith and ask for what we cannot do on our own we ask for what we do not have the power to do on our own and that is to heal our bodies holy spirit i'm asking you that with the hands laid on every sick person in the room jesus through your spirit bring perfect healing perfect healing back pain is gone Cancer is gone. Cancer is gone. Cancer is gone. Cancer's not bigger than Jesus, so don't believe that lie. Autoimmune disease is gone. It's not bigger than Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This is what you deserve as a reward for what you did for us. You deserve the reward of healing in your people. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for healing. Now, if you're being prayed for, we're gonna take it to the next level. I want you to tell the people around you if you feel different in your body. And it's okay if you don't, this is not a pressure thing. We're not here to perform. But if you feel different in your body, whatever was sick, I want you to tell the people who prayed what feels different. This is part of how we build our faith is we recognize in the moment when Jesus is doing something. So if you feel different in your body, I want you to tell the people who prayed for you. Thank you, Jesus, for healing. Thank you, Jesus. And if you don't feel different today, right this minute, don't leave in doubt, friend. Don't leave in doubt, leave in faith. Leave in faith. He is a healer. Thank you, Jesus. So here's how we're gonna end. If you're praying and you don't wanna stop, 
please keep praying. But I've asked our amazing friends to take us back into King of My Heart because something that is so powerful and that our enemy absolutely hates is when we are in the battle and we sing of his goodness. So we're gonna sing and make the devil mad. Are you okay with that? So everybody up, we're gonna stand up because this is battle. This is warfare. We don't do it sitting down. We do it standing up. And let's sing like we mean it. Oh, you're never gonna let, never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, never gonna let me down. We say yes, you're never gonna let, never gonna let me down. Oh, you're, oh we're gonna say right there, again, right there. Never gonna let your, you're never gonna let, never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, never gonna let me down. faithfulness because the scripture says to share of the good news of what God has done and it builds our faith that when we need to be reminded oh he did it in that person so he could do it in me so if that was you then come and find me after church because we have um, we're building quite a bit of testimony and I want to share one real quick and then I'm going to move on Um, so Friday night our leadership team gathered for prayer and worship and Pastor Crystal you guys know her over at the other campus she's been um, battling severe TMJ um, and it came out of the blue and she asked her asked us to pray and we laid hands on her and she woke up the next morning gone no TMJ 
so that's a little faith builder, okay? Because if he can do that, why can't he do something else? So we're going to believe for those things, all right? Okay, I feel like I just want to keep going, but I got to transition this. <laughs> so um, this is, we've been worshiping, and you hear us say this every week, but it's not, um, it's not just something we say. It's the truth. Our money is part of our worship, always. The way we use our money shows what we love, um, what, we, what we worship, really. So we always want to include the giving portion of our service right here with worship because we don't ever want it to be considered something separate. We worship with all of our life. So um, you might not know, and, and that's okay if you're giving, but you might not know that the giving that you do, we get to do so much in our community with that giving. And not just in our community, we support missionaries and pastors in other parts of the world. How amazing is that, that you can give money and know that it helps someone spreading the gospel in Africa or in India, or that's the power of the Holy Spirit in us, right? Is to give when he prompts us. So um, if you wanna give, there's the cool little QR code. If you wanna do the old-fashioned way, which is totally fine. I'm old-fashioned. I love the old-fashioned way. There's a box in the back, and you can drop that in there. Um, and just what we always want to encourage you to do is you give according to what the Holy Spirit's putting on your heart, because it is relational. It's not religion. It's relational, and He will prompt you with something to give, and most of the time, it's going to feel uncomfortable because <laughs> he likes for us to, to, to practice that faith muscle. So whatever he puts on your heart is what we always want to encourage you to give. Um, and then moving from that, the next thing I want to tell you about is that we have one more week that we're collecting candy for our trunk or treat over at the other campus. How many of you have been over there for that? It's so fun. It's entirely possible there's going to be a Barbie car at the trunk or treat. It could be from these people sitting on this side of the room over here. Not going to name any names. But there was a character called Alan. So I'm just going to throw that out there. Okay. So, um, yeah. So there's going to be lots of fun cars. And, and um, we have, I don't even know the number, but we've done this now, what, two or three years. Hundreds come through. Hundreds. And they're in that community. And how many of you know when they're walking through those little babes, you can be praying for them. You can be um, speaking life over them. Like... It's such a cool opportunity to engage our community and bring the love of Jesus. So we need candy because then babies want candy. <laughs> so if you haven't gotten your donation in yet, there's a cool little snazzy bucket downstairs. You can drop it off. Um, and if you want to bring it during the week, you can check in with one of us pastors and we'll make sure that the doors are unlocked for you to do that. Okay, cool. Bring in candy. Yes. Awesome. Okay. Um, also, always want to make sure you know so much is happening and there's no way we could get up here every week. I mean, you'd get bored. I'd have it take the whole service to tell you all the things. So what we should, what you should do instead is make sure you have our app, all of our events, all of our small groups, all of our Bibles, everything is on there. And it's really cool because you can search according to like, um, you know, like women's or kids or whatever. So go make sure you get the app and make sure you're keeping up on that. And then if you're not getting our emails, um, you want to get our emails because we, we share a lot through that. If you're not signed up for text, how many of you love text reminders? Yes, because you don't check your email. Come on, that's no shame. No shame in Jesus. You don't check your email, so you need a text. That's great. We have that too. So make sure you're connected because we want you to be connected to what's going on here. Um, and of course, finally, we want to tell you if you're new here, welcome to the family. <laughs> 
This was a cool, yeah, we love you. We're glad you're here. You're welcome. We're family. Um, that's what we believe. This is a big living room. That's how we like to see it. So you're welcome here. You can do a, that cool you little QR code on the screen, and that'll give you some information about us. A share. We do a lunch every month for the newer people um, just to get connected. And if you want to be a part of that, you can find out more information through either of those QR codes. So, okay. Are there any kids in the house? Oh, Dave's a kid. He raised his hand. Okay, kiddos, your teachers are in the back. You can go that way. And everyone that's a big kid can stand up and say hello to somebody in the room. All right, good morning. 
You guys can head back to your seats. All right. Well, hey, it is so good to be at Crossroads this morning. You guys are having way too much fun. I love it. That is a great thing. Well, hey, we are in the middle of a series called Stand Your Ground. And I'm loving it. Uh, so, uh, James 4, 7 says that to submit yourselves, therefore, to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So we've been on this journey of talking about what it looks like for him to flee from us. Three weeks ago, Nate talked about becoming aware of the devil's schemes. What are the ways that he tries to take us out? What are the ways that he tries to just come in and, and win against us? Two weeks ago, Shannon let us know it's not a flesh and blood battle. We get so easily fixated on the flesh battle, but it is not a flesh and blood battle. It is a spiritual battle, spiritual warfare that we are fighting against, and we're in the middle of it. And then last week, Adam shared an incredible message about how Jesus put on the armor of God when he went to war against literally Satan himself in the desert. And, and what it looks like for us to, to wear the, the armor just like Jesus did. And just in case you forgot, let's talk. What's the armor? Ephesians 6, 14 through 17. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So we've got our, we've got our armor, and, and when I think about going into battle, I think about winning. Because when I go to battle, I want to win. I don't want to lose. I am a very competitive person by nature. You can ask my family. I don't like to lose. There are certain games that Shannon and, I, Shannon and I no longer play by ourselves because I want my marriage to stay intact. Little, little known truth about me, there are certain sports and activities that I won't venture into because I know I'm so bad at them that there's no way I'll ever get good enough to win them, so I just abstain. I, I don't like to lose. Losing is like, I, I played baseball in high school. I was a pitcher. There came a point where I thought I might need to give up the sport because I became a different person when we lost. Not in a good way. Not in a productive way. Um, I, I know I'm a pretty even-killed, gentle-spirited person most of the time, but you put me into a board game with my family. I will make my kids cry. I will make my wife cry. Okay, maybe, maybe I'm going a little too far. But I really, in my mind, Holy Spirit's keeping me back. Um, but we like to win. 
We are a culture that loves to win. We are, it is ingrained in us to win. And often, it's so ingrained in us to win that we will prefer, prefer short-term games, games over long-term victory. Sometimes we will make compromises to win now because I want to look good, I want to look right. But I don't think about the long-term outcome of what winning right now looks like. Because the truth is, is sometimes I have to lose to win. Because if all I'm focused on is, is the right now win and doing the thing that will make me look the best in this moment, I will only focus on the short-term games. I'll look good in the moment. But what outcome do I wish to see when the dust settles? What outcome represents what I'm fighting for? You know, in our culture, we have a very positive-only view of winning. In our culture, winning looks like revenue graphs up and to the right. In our culture, winning looks like more wins in the win column than in the loss column. In our culture, winning looks like a shelf full of championship trophies. In our culture, winning looks like having a larger following than the next guy. In our culture, winning looks like agreement with my opinion. In our culture, winning looks a lot like death. Wait, no it doesn't. Today, I want to dig in to a story of one of my personal heroes of the faith in the book of Acts that won by dying. Not necessarily what our culture says is winning. There's a guy by the name of Stephen in the book of Acts, and man, this guy, like if you lean into his story, it is crazy. It is kind of one of those upside-down stories of what courage and faith and winning looks like. You see, in the book of Acts, the church, the early church, the first church was just getting started. And if any of you have ever been a part of a startup organization, a startup church, a, a startup anything, you know that when you're starting something, it is messy. Like, you're trying to define roles, you're trying to figure out who's doing what, you don't have enough people to do all the things that need to be done. Things sometimes start moving quicker and, and growing faster than the number of people that you have ready to experience the growth. And that is exactly what the early church was experiencing. The early church had birthed, and, and we read in the early uh, chapter 2 of Acts that the disciples were gathered, and then there was a sermon, and like thousands were added, and then it talks about daily people were being added to the church. You see, there was explosive growth happening in the early church. 
The Holy Spirit was doing incredible things. People were being saved. They were being healed. They were being set free. Demons were being cast. I mean, it was, it was, but it was messy. Because when things are moving and going and people are people, there's going to be a little bickering. There's going to be a little infighting. There's going to be a little, I want to do it this way. No, I want to do it this way. And, and we find us ourselves squarely in the middle of that in Acts chapter 6, verse 1. It says, in those days when the numbers of disciples were increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Now, I love this because this is what happens. The church is growing. People are being saved. People are being healed. And then there's like this one group that's like, you're overlooking them. They're not getting enough food. Come on. Let's get it going. What's wrong with you people? And, and, and we're right in the middle of this movement, and so it starts to get messy. People are, are kind of talking about each other behind their back. They're upset. And so the 12, which were, were, were the 12 apostles, they said, hold on, we got we to gotta do something about this. We cannot stop what God is doing. We cannot, we cannot let this problem stop where God is going with what he wants to do in this church and says, they gathered all the disciples together and said it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Now, when you read that, you're like, wow, that's kind of arrogant. Let us not neglect the preaching of the word so that we can wait on tables. But then this is what it says, brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer and ministry of the word. This isn't part of a message, but I love what just happened here. These men realized that they were not good at food distribution. They realized that they were, the reason people were being overlooked is they probably were not administrators. They probably did not have that gift. They had the gift of prophecy. They had the gift of teaching. They had the gift of laying on of hands and, and, and allowing healing to come. They didn't have the gift of administrating food distribution. And they realized it. And then what did they say? They didn't go, oh, well, let's just go find somebody. I'm sure there's somebody that can figure out this food thing. Let's Let's just, uh, they didn't do that. They said, let us go find people that are full of the Spirit. They said, let's go find someone who this is their gifting and that the Holy Spirit has empowered them to do this. Let's go find them and bring them in. And let's release them into the ministry of distribution of food. It says the proposal pleased the whole group, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, to lead the food distribution. Nicholas, Stephen, and Philip. They presented these men to the apostles who distribute food. We're going to pray. Lifted 
to do. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. And a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. It doesn't stop there. Now Stephen, we're getting back to Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power performed great wonders and signs among the people. He's the food guy, and he's out here now praying over people. They're getting healed. They're in the food line trying to get food, and he's out here like prophesying over them, praying over them. They're getting healed. Like this thing's blowing up. You see, whenever you get people, when you find people full of faith, full of the Spirit, and they're gifting, moving and operating, and what God has called them to do, look out. And then opposition arose. Because why not? We're the early church. We're growing. We're figuring, let's have some opposition. Members of the synagogue of the freedom, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, and just all these religious people who begin to argue with Stephen. This guy's full of the Holy Spirit, doing what God has called to do, and now you've got these people coming in, and they're arguing with him. They're like, Stephen, we don't agree with you. And it says, but they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave Stephen as he spoke. This guy, is this the food guy? Stirring up opposition, arguing, full of wisdom that he is bringing and speaking. And then, so there's like 75 verses here. We're not going to, we're going to do all 75 this morning. I'm just going to kind of jump through here. They started stirring up rumors about Stephen. They're like, they're just making things up, bold-faced lies about Stephen and what he believes and who he is. They're probably bringing into question his character. They're they're making up stories. He was, you know, probably making up stories. He was over here sleeping with this person, or he was over here stealing from the food pile, or who knows? I don't know what the story, but, but they were spreading these rumors, trying to paint Stephen in a bad light, and so they, get, they, have the, they end up having this trial. And I love this one, this one portion of Scripture says that Stephen's at the trial, And they're starting to get things going. It says, they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Literally in the midst of opposition, the Holy Spirit was just consuming him, radiating out of him. Stephen gives this lengthy and poignant response to their accusations. Man, he goes, like, he does this history lesson for them all the way back through Scripture and just lays it all out. All the way to Jesus. What's crazy is he doesn't really talk about himself. He's not defending himself. He is defending Jesus. All the way to the point that he calls them a stiff-necked people. Good old Stephen. You bunch of stiff-necked people. I, I wish the Bible didn't always clean up the language they used. I'd like to know what he really said. I'm just kidding. That's probably what he actually said. But, but, I mean, that was kind of a vulgar thing to say in this moment. You stiff-necked people. Next time you're in a board game and you're losing, just look at her and say, you stiff-necked people, you don't know the rules. Oh. <laughs> 
But then we get to this beautiful portion of Scripture in Acts 7, starting in verse 54. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they just got, got called stiff-necked people, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at them. I always want to know, like, when they say that in the Bible, was it with that, <laughs> is that literally what they were doing? Like, oh, these guys. But Stephen, here it is again, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. He knew, Stephen knew what was coming in this moment. He looked up. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Here's the crazy thing. When the Holy Spirit is present and you have somebody that is so resistant to that, they may cover their ears and start yelling. Began to stone him and meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named wait for it, Saul. We know him as Paul. Here's a crazy fact about this. Paul, Saul and Stephen were friends. They grew up together. They knew each other. I find it interesting in this moment that Saul says they laid their, their coats at the feet of Saul. He was overseeing this stoning, but he wasn't throwing the stones. Jesus was already doing something in Saul at that moment. He was starting to make some changes in Saul. You see, there's always more to the story. There's always more. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Sound familiar? Jesus on the cross. When he had said this, he fell asleep. Now, falling asleep in the Bible doesn't mean he went to took a little nap. Okay. Stephen died. Okay. At that moment, Stephen was stoned to death. Saul was there watching. You see, your victory will come at a cost. We live in a culture that says winning is only when I get ahead. But here's, here's what the Holy Spirit spoke to me just this morning. I was wrestling over this, and I was like, Jesus, where are you taking us with this? And he said, the Holy Spirit gives us courage to keep our eyes focused on the real victory. It is so easy to get distracted. It is so easy to look at all the other things that could be victory. It, it, I, I have a hard time putting myself in Stephen's shoes because I think about in the moment where he was there. And he chose to look up to see Jesus. And he knew that was his victory. That was the victory that he was after. And he chose to focus in on that when it had been a lot easier for him just to cave. For him to go, all right, guys, I get it. You're, maybe I've got this whole Jesus thing wrong. 
maybe kind of mince his words a little bit, maybe say something that wasn't truly his conviction, maybe kind of change his belief just to kind of fit into the moment, maybe go, okay, guys, I'll stop praying for people to get healed. No, he was focused on what his true victory was, and that was Jesus Christ. But it's because he was full of the Holy Spirit. You see, this is the problem with these questions. You get the question, well, what would, what would you have done? What would you have done in that moment? If you, if you were Stephen, what would, you, would you have had the courage? That's not the time to ask the question. The time to ask the question was back when he was chosen to lead the food ministry because he was full of the Holy Spirit, because he, has been, he had been spending time in his prayer closet interceding, because he had been spending time on his face before Jesus, allowing the Holy Spirit to fill him to overflowing, full of everything that Jesus had for him, that put him in a place over here where he could take the step. And so I said, I was like, Jesus, what? What does that look like? Like, I, I just pulled up this morning just a few, this isn't us, this is on the other side of the world, but North Koreans smuggle Bibles, family of 27 come to Christ. Hindu convert evangelizes Muslims. This North Korean training video, this is crazy, okay? There's this, this video that just came out in North Korea where they're training basically militants about how to take out Christians. And it tells the story of this young girl who escaped the country, came back, turned herself in full of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and began evangelizing throughout the cities in North Korea, and they ended up killing her. Fulani militants murder mother of two in Nigeria. Husband survives. ISIS kidnaps, kidnaps son of Syrian Christians. Like these are just a few stories on the other side of the world that it's so easy for us in our American culture to go, what does this even look like? Because I, I look at some of these stories and these heroes and I go, what would I do in that moment? Would I have that kind of courage? And this is what Jesus said to me. He said all of their courage didn't start when they were facing the, the tip of a gun. It, it didn't start when they were being wrapped up in chains and drug away. Their courage started way before that. And, and excuse me if I'm going to be stereotypical for a moment, but men, your courage starts when you are home alone in an incognito browser on a pornographic website and you choose to turn it off and get on your face before Jesus and begin praying and asking the Holy Spirit to infuse you with power and courage to say no in that moment. Because that courage then starts to look like when you are at work and other co-workers around you are demoralizing women by the jokes that they're telling and you have courage to stand up and say no more. But courage started back here. Women, courage looks like you going into a prayer closet when you are so frustrated with your marriage. And you begin praying for your husband in private. 
So that when you are in public, he does not become the subject of all of your gossip. Students, your courage starts when you're at home. And you have a Bible and you have TikTok. And you choose to let the Bible tell you who you are. You choose to let the Bible define who you are and and your identity. Because then when you're in public in front of your friends and they are putting temptations in your face and you can look at them and say, no, because I know who I am. Parents, our courage starts when we are at home and our children are going astray and we don't know what to do and, and we get on our knees before God and we begin crying out for them. And then our courage in public looks like when we actually correct them versus just trying to be their friend. You see, those are the steps of courage that lead to what Stephen did. And I, I'm telling you, when I, this, this whole thing, I got so convicted in putting this message together. I, Shannon, this morning, she asked me if I was ready to speak, and I said, no, I'm not. And actually, I went to the gym early this morning, and I was wrestling with God because I, I was going a different direction with this message. I was, I was trying to make it nice and fluffy, and let's all hug at the end. <laughs> and Jesus was like, can I convict you? Can, can we talk about what courage looks like in moments where you've chosen to relent? You have chosen to not be courageous in private, which has then led to you not being able to be courageous in public? Can we go back here? Can, can, can we be like Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, because you in private have been courageous in your decisions to pursue me, to pursue truth, to pursue what I want to infuse into you? First Peter 4.12 says, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through as if something strange were happening to you. Don't be surprised. Stephen, here's the thing I think I know about Stephen. That moment didn't surprise him. He wasn't in that moment going, What's, what is happening? Why, why are all these people so mad? He was so full of the Spirit. He had been practicing courage so intently in private and in public that this didn't take him off guard. He wasn't like, okay, do do I tell the truth here? Do I actually say what I believe? Or do I fix my eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith, the perfecter of my faith? on what victory looks like, even in this moment, if it means death for me. He wasn't surprised. I often wonder, and this is a subjection, this is not scriptural, okay? This is, this is me wondering for a moment. Would we have known Paul if it hadn't been for Stephen? I think, I think God is a God that finds a way, but I still have to ask the question. 
Because I truly believe that at that moment, Saul laid his eyes on a man full of the Holy Spirit. And I think it was the, 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 the kind of that first little point where Saul was like, what's, what's this whole Jesus thing that all these Christians are talking about? And then we go further into the story and Paul is converted and becomes, writes two-thirds of the New Testament and Stephen the food guy, the stone. True courage does not always feel like courage. There are private moments where you will do something courageous that does not feel like courage. There are moments, in this moment for Stephen, if we look at it through natural eyes, we would say, no, courage would have been Stephen standing up and, and giving them what for and overcoming them and, and an army coming in. Like, that's, no, True courage doesn't always look like courage. In this moment, courage was him being stoned to death because he was so full of the Holy Spirit. He could not take his eyes off of what true victory looked like. So as the worship team comes back up this morning, man, I'm almost scared to have you guys come back up. It's going it's to get crazy in here. Um, there are two questions that I want to ask today. Question number one, in what ways do we need to change behaviors in order to be regarded as Stephen? Because this is what God challenged me with this morning, was... Are you so full of the Spirit and courageous that if they needed somebody to run the food ministry, they'd be like, there's this guy named Alan. Let's bring him in. What behaviors do I need to change in private so that I will begin to lean into the Holy Spirit not shy away from his presence. And then the second question is, what is a battle in your life that may have seemed like a surprise that, had, that has caused you to take your eyes off of the real victory? You found yourself in a moment. You found yourself in a battle, in a fight. And it took you by surprise. And in this moment, you've taken your eyes off of the real victory. You see, both of these questions are about us coming back to the truth that Stephen knew. Coming back to the courage that Stephen knew. That courage was not something that he learned over sitting in classes or being drilled. It was a Holy Spirit-empowered courage that began in private and then became public. So I'm going to ask if, uh, I don't actually know who all of our prayer team is, but as we go into closing, if I'd have a couple of you come up here in the front, and then if I'd have a couple of you actually go into the back corners, 
so that we can just kind of one, two, three, four, sort of cover the whole room. As we go into this final song, this, this song is called Defender. And here's what I know. I have the greatest defender in this world. <clears throat> and if I will lean into the Holy Spirit in my private times, that defender will be with me in every moment. And that defender will give me the courage that I need in the face of temptation, in the face of trial, in the face of battle. <clears throat> but if they, as they lead us in this worship, if, if you say, there's some behaviors I need to change, some private behaviors I need to change so that I can be regarded as Stephen. Or you say, I'm in a battle and I've taken my eyes off of the real victory this morning. And can I ask you to be courageous this morning? Get up out of your seat. Go find one of these places that has people ready to pray with you, ready to go to war with you, ready to pray, Holy Spirit, make them courageous. Make me courageous. Don't pass this moment to just be empowered with the Holy Spirit this morning. So if you could all stand. And Jesus, I just invite you into this moment. Holy Spirit, I give you complete freedom. I, I want to get out of the way. And I want to let you speak to our heart. I want to let you drive us where you want to take us that we would be a courageous people, courageous in private and courageous in public. So we give this time to you.
needs any prayer now's a really really good time I don't believe we have any more official things that we're gonna do we're gonna love each other come on we're gonna love Jesus and you know what I just say over you and me we're just gonna keep walking with God one step at a time one day at a time the Word of God says this is the day that the Lord has made I will rejoice and be glad in it. I'm showing up. Come on, somebody. I said, I'm showing up. And I'm just going to keep on showing up. This is the breath that he has given. This is the life that I am living. And I declare in the name of Jesus, more and more glory to you, God. More and more of you in my life. More and more of you in my story. More and more of whatever you want to do in this earth through my life and the life of my family in the name of Jesus. Have your way, have your way. We bless you. Thank you for entrusting some of your time to Kyle and me. It's a joy to be with you. You're beautiful. Your state is beautiful. 
And what God is doing at Crossroads is beautiful and it's worth the fight. The enemy hates anything good and pure and of a good report. But we stand with you for the fullness of what God has in his heart for this house. And nothing less in Jesus' name. You're dismissed. We bless you. Amen, amen, amen.